Yo, yo, everybody, welcome on into the program. Just wanted to uh, to say a quick thanks today. We've got a little sponsor for today's episode. Uh, we got Northwest Tech Experts. If you've got any computer problems, um, specifically data recovery, they are your go-to. They've been serving Seattle for 12 years. They do on-site computer repair. Uh, they charge 80 bucks an hour. Uh, and they currently have a $99 mail-in data recovery special going on. Uh, unbelievable customer service. Um, answer any questions that you need. Um, they really do go the go the extra mile for you. I can't say that enough. Just helped us out recently with some uh, with some data issues that we had. Um, really, really great. Um, fantastic. Again, can't say enough. Northwest Tech Experts. You can find them over at 206-395-9599. That's 206-395-9599. Northwest Tech Experts the best that you're going to find in, uh, in data recovery or any, any, um, computer repair needs. Um, all right. Also on to today, November 10th, 2020, we've got Dr. Steve Woodsmall. You can find doctor at, uh, at Steve Woodsmall. Um, he was a North Carolina U S house district 11 candidate just recently retired air force officer. He's been a corporate executive, worked at a nonprofit, taught college, was an NCAA women's basketball official, uh, worked as a government contractor, uh, master's in business, PhD in management, got a great book out called It Beats Eating Lizards, Lessons Learned in Life and Leadership. Really, really recommend um, it to anybody, um, anybody of uh, really any age at all. It's a great book. Um, Great book, got some fantastic anecdotes in there that I think anybody can relate to and, and learn a lot from. Um, you can find that on any anywhere that you find books, you know, Google Bookstore, wherever wherever you wherever you find your books, it um, it is there. Um, again, Doctor Steve Woodsmall, he's our uh, our guest for today, and uh, let's uh, let's get started. Three, two, one. All right, hey Steve. Yeah, uh, thanks again for uh, for joining me. Um, it looks like uh, we got we got lucky, at least in the sense that last time we spoke, you told me that, <laughs> that you were considering um, you were consider- considering Costa Rica. So I'm glad you're still here. <laughs> yeah, we didn't have to do that. That's a good thing. Yeah. So in, um, I mean, I guess that's a good kind of jumping off point. I mean, how, how do you think all this? Um, how do you think it all turned out, anyways? I guess it's not well, completely it, over. It, it turned out pretty much as I thought it would, to be honest with you. Um, did. Yeah, I was, I was pretty sure Biden's going to win. Uh, frankly, the races, the state races in North Carolina were abysmal. We did, uh, the governor won, which everybody thought he would. Um, but we lost a ton of races on the state council. We lost every Supreme Court seat. Um we kept the AG spot. Uh, I think we got, I think two Democrats won the congressional races statewide and <clears throat> new ones. So that, other uh, than that, you know, we lost the Senate race, which I, I, I figured we would after all this stuff came out with Cunningham. Um, 
the 11th district that I ran in, um, the, the Democrat got beat by 12 points in a seven-point district. Yeah, I'm looking uh, at it. That, that was that was uh, that was the Cawthorn, correct? Yeah, yeah. he won. At, at, you know, and that was that's really unfortunate because that race was winnable if the Democrats would have had the right candidate. But I, you know, I warned them, and they didn't listen. Um, yeah, and that's so, I mean, and, and that right there. I mean, you know, the, the, just on, on that on that topic, I, I I have it up in front of me. Um, you know, we we were talking, uh, we talked previously just about. Um, the fact that you know the Democratic Party there really didn't want any uh, any negative campaigning. I think that was the kind of the word yeah. the word that was used. And um, really interesting, you know, reading you know reading part of that, just hearing the fact that even in, within the party, um, you would think that you would want all the information out so that people know exactly to make their the best uh, the best informed decision rather than just kind of protecting uh, protecting a party just to say you know. Um, so that nothing bad comes out about it. That doesn't seem that doesn't seem right at all. It's stupid. It's just frankly stupid. And 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 what happens is what is what happened. You know, North Carolina basically went red. Um, we had some good candidates running. We had some great judicial candidates running. Uh, the Chief Justice of the Supreme Court, who was the incumbent, and I haven't. I don't know if all the all the votes have been counted, but that was like 0.04% difference with about 99% in. We had a great young candidate for Secretary of Agriculture who got beat that I, I thought she might win. Um, but the congressional the congressional race in this district was, was just a joke. And, um, you know, interestingly, uh, since I mentioned Cunningham, I looked at, I haven't looked at it in the last couple of days, but with about 96% of the vote counted, uh, every county of the 16 counties in the 11th district, if you look at the vote totals, Cunningham and Davis both got fewer votes in every county than other Democrats on the ticket. Jeez. So which it just tells you so, yeah, right either there. they were so bad that people crossed over or they didn't vote in that race. And I had a lot of people tell me they weren't going to vote in that race because they, it was, you know, some people say I'm going to hold my nose and vote. I can't stand either one of them. And some people just say I can't, I can't vote for either one of them. I'm not, I'm not going to even vote in that race. And that's what it comes. That's what the party system gives you. Um, and and they killed us. I mean, we had, as I told you last time, um, we had a black female state senator that was leading Tellus by seven points during the primary. Mm-hmm. Democratic National Committee jumped in and inserted themselves into this race and threw a bunch of money at it and, and got Cunningham in there and then it blows up in their face. That that was that was so winnable. Tillis is just horrible and that was such a winnable race. Seems like and that's a that's a habit of the DNC. The, the National Party only has themselves to blame for that and it's really unfortunate because we could have had the, the third black female U.S. senator uh, from North Carolina who I endorsed by the way, but uh, I, you know I I wouldn't be surprised if she gave it another shot in 22 because burr is uh, burr has stated that he's retiring so that's going to be an open seat open seat yeah. and that'll be a that'll be a goat rope there'll be so many people going after that it's <laughs> going to be f- fun to watch well that right there i mean that it seems like that sentiment on every level i mean you know even down to, down to the state level city level that sentiment that you just expressed there that um 
you know, it's kind of that, that people bring have brought up to you that I didn't really want to vote because I didn't like either of them. And that it's amazing how that permeates all the way through, because like you said, it's based on the system that we have. Um, and, and to me, it's, it's almost like one of those things where I, I don't know if it's even possible because of how entrenched we are in it. But, um, the, you know, we really need to, as a country, be thinking about different strategies to, to rework the system, at least the way that I think of it. Um, you know, I, I don't know what the right answer would be to that, but it just seems like this one isn't it. Um, even people who voted for Biden, it seems like there was so many things on the on the negative side of the ledger that, um, you know, that that on other circumstances, they might not have picked him. Well, I mean, and go back to, to 16, you know, I mean, a lot of people didn't like Trump, but but they were, you know, their attitude was he wasn't Hillary. Absolutely. Yeah. Yep. And a lot of people aren't crazy, but I'm personally not crazy about Biden. I think he's a decent guy. Yeah, I think he'll be effective. But he was not probably not my third or fourth choice in, in that whole primary, and and a lot of people voted for him because he wasn't Trump. Yeah, and that's you know three hundred and fifty million people in this country, and I think for a two person race at whatever level, I think we ought to be able to do a hell of a lot better. Yeah, that's it. That's the thing that's literally mind blowing to me. And even you know even when I hear people say, um, I mean, even Trump said. Um, are people already talking about running again in, you know, in 2024. And it's, it's like, like you just said, we have 350 million people. If, if he ends up running again and being the candidate for that party, it's like, really, you can't, there's not one other human out there um, who would represent he's, everybody he's, better. He's talking shit. He's talking shit. And, and frankly, you can't really run for office when you're in prison. <laughs> so people probably forget about that, but. Um, It'd be a hell of a campaign from the bars. Sad, very sad. But I, but I'll tell you the, the the fix. A lot of good people don't want to get involved because it is so messy, and because the parties are so screwed up. We've got. If, if you go to the presidential level, the electoral college is a joke. It's outdated and needs to be done away with. And there's a lot of good arguments for abolishing that. Uh, there are a lot of organizations out there pushing that. Um, and they're trying to, they're trying to, the Trump side is trying to ma- manipulate that process now, talking about going after some of the electors. It just should be popular vote, period. National popular vote, period. Period. So we get rid of the electoral college first. We get a Supreme Court that will overturn that Citizens United ruling and get all this big, dark money out of the political process. We, it, we require independent third-party objective officials to to set up the districts for this for the state general assemblies and for the congressional districts and get rid of this god-awful gerrymandering which is absurd <laughs> which allows politicians to pick the voters instead of the other way around yeah and limit campaign contributions and so if we if we do all that you know, a lot of people ask me during campaign, where are you at on term limits? And I said, I I think elections should be term limits, but they won't be until we have actual free and fair elections and, and fix the whole electoral process. So if we do those things, and, and particularly the influence of money, because a lot of people just say, I mean, and there are a lot of good people that would run for office, but I'm not going to spend eight hours a day on the phone begging people for money. Yeah, definitely. 
and I'm not going to try to raise, you know, for a congressional race, a million to $3 million. I mean, who the hell wants to raise $2 million to get a job that pays 174000 a year? <laughs> Do you think it would change anybody's mind? Uh, just kind of going off what you said, I'm off the top of my head, would it change anyone's mind, do you think, if they if it did pay any more? Do you think that would entice anybody to... No. 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 Well, it might, but, you know, most of... It, it's not the salary that they're after, but you, you look you look across the board at both houses of Congress and what percentage of, of, of those people in office are millionaires that weren't millionaires when they took office and yeah. they became millionaires many times over on a salary of $174,000. How does that happen? Well, we know how it happens. It's it's all that outside influence with money and the fact that the law, they, they're still allowed to go make, and, and, and we had our North Carolina senator do it. We've heard, you've heard about other people running for Senate this year that did it, uh, can go out and actually make stock transactions based on insider information that they hear in hearings. Yeah. Which nobody else knows. It's it's illegal to it's act illegal. on insider information. It's so, but it's legal for them to do it. Yeah, it's so. On, uh, one thing that you w- that you just said a moment ago, and, and I'm just playing devil's advocate here. Um, just to, I would imagine this would be uh, the argument of possibly the other other side there when you when you talked about the electoral college. Um, now, if if someone were to say. Um, well, it's it's unfair because um, you know these cities that have more people are democratic. So you're basically giving the cities, um, you know, you're giving the cities more power over the rest of the country, just because those might be more glamorous places to live. Um, you know, and most of these coastal cities tend to be, you know, almost 100 percent of them are all um, are all on the on the you know democratic side. So. Um, that, you know, just if that was the de- you know the the response, uh, what would you say to that? If someone said it's unfair because you're giving too much power to the to the people who live in the cities, it's unfair now. Okay, okay, yeah, exactly. It's unfair now because first of all, if you look at the if you look at the electoral votes in each state, one electoral vote in one state does not equal the same number number of voters that it does in another state. Mm. Number two, is it fair? I think I don't remember exactly, but I think you take the population of Montana and Wyoming and North Dakota, and it equals the population of New York. So you've got six senators for Montana, Wyoming, and North Dakota, and two for New York, but they have the same population. How's that fair? Gotcha. Yeah, totally. Yeah, there you go. I mean, that perfect. No, thank you. That's that's a that's a fantastic answer. So I suppose, like to your point, it it really no matter which way you want to spin it, it's it's when you have that the electoral college as as something that we use, it's going to be unfair no matter how you do it. So the it is yeah, and the only so f- so do away with it. <laughs> Everybody votes like you know we had Biden got seventy five million votes, Trump got seventy million, Biden wins. We're done. Yeah. We don't, we don't have to dick around waiting until December for the electoral college to meet. We don't have to go through all that. And and some states don't even have; they're not the electors are not required to even vote for the people that 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 the people of the state voted for. And that's what they're trying to mess around with now and, and convince some of these electors not to vote for 
Biden. Uh, it's just it's just a joke. The rest of the world laughs at us. Now they feel a little bit better about us now because we we're getting rid of Trump. Yep. But that that's only a small part of the problem. The process itself, the system itself, is broken, and that's how we get a guy like Trump in the first place. If we don't fix that, we're going to be right back where we were if we're not careful. Definitely, definitely. Yeah. No. I mean, I, I feel like he really just kind of took advantage of the fact that. <laughs> There was a population or, or a, a sizable amount of the population that was fed up with the system. And, and he kind of, I think in 2016, to, to, to some people, he represented that, that change from the system, even though he didn't live up to it and do any, a lot of those, you know, the things that he was saying. Um, yeah, absolutely. That, that's, it's, it's interesting how that, uh, how that works there. Um, so one thing, you know, I was, I've been thinking a lot about this in, over the past month and something that I was you know, throwing around in my head, this is just something kind of made up. But I was wondering, what what if we, you know, what if we divided things? Instead of having one person um, who, it's very hard for one person to be able to have all the skill sets necessary to do everything. If we, if we divided it into maybe the president of communication or media, uh, the president of education, uh, the president of uh, the economy, and then when it comes to bigger issues, possibly perhaps uh, like world issues, um, things that affect every single one of us, then maybe that group, however many, you know, uh, sections or, or, or um, different different people you want to put in there, they would have to have a majority to to um, to make anything, any decisions like that, you know, go forward. I mean, I, that's just something I was throwing around, but I, I in my in my mind, anyways, I feel like you could get much, you know, by specializing, you could get people who really have an understanding fully of each. Um, each you know area and actually maybe get some change quicker well i mean theoretically that's what the cabinet's for yeah you know you have, you have the different the different directors and you know state and defense and treasury and so on um but of course trump hired people that were incompetent and in all those and then and even <laughs> had he hired competent people he wouldn't have listened to what they had to say yeah and that's just a fundamental organizational problem um that you have an incapable an incapable person in charge. Some you always you always have to have one person make final decision. Yeah. But the problem is now we've got that, and that should be ultimately the president of the United States. And then the people who are elected to Congress then write those laws and, and get them passed, and so on and so forth. Problem is, we let this thing degenerate into a system by which, as we've seen for the last four years, you the Senate majority leader has too much power and he just, there's 400 bills that were sitting on his desk that the house passed that are, that are not going to get voted on. That's ridiculous. There should be a mechanism in the Senate by which, you know, a certain number of people could override that and say, you know, and demand a vote on certain bills because they are there to represent the people. The problem is, and, and you're seeing it, you're seeing it as we speak on, on cable news right now, the Secretary of State saying there's going to be a peaceful transition to a next Trump administration. No. No. And it's all about the party. It's all about the party. It's all about us versus them. And until we get rid of the two-party system and and fix the process so we can get people in there who really want to get in there and do the right thing for the right reason and actually represent the needs of the people they're supposed to represent, it's not going to get any better, but this is not how it was supposed to work. And I, I promise you, 
Madison and Jefferson and Hamilton and all those guys would would puke if they were alive today. Well, no, per, that's actually perfect because I, I just pulled up. Um, I saw this about a couple hours ago. This was something that I believe that you you tweeted. Um, and this was a quote from John Adams said, uh, John Adams, yeah. yeah. And it said, um, I'll read it right now. It says government is in- instituted for the common good, for the protection, safety, prosperity, and happiness of the people and not for the profit, honor, or private interest of any one man, family, or class of men. And that, that's, yep. I mean, um, if that is that doesn't say it all right there, and that that second half there is, um, you know, I was I was glad that you you put that up today because you pretty much just summed it up there right now. That it's 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 a beautiful way to put it. Um, that that's what we've lost is the 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 profit and the, um, you know, the the hubris of of the men and women who try to run for these positions is what gets overridden, or or, or what overrides, I should say, the actual good of the people. It is. It is, and it's 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 really sad, you know, particularly for for people like me who served in the military, and you know, I consider myself a patriot, and and know people that really believe in the concept of America and what it stands for, and democracy, and 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 all that. Um, to see what we've fallen into is just it's just disgusting, and I don't know, I don't know if we can recover from it or not. I think there's been so much damage done that particularly in the last four years that I, I just don't know. And, and we've got to get more young people energized and engaged, motivated to understand the, the ramifications of uh, not only voting, but understanding who and what they're voting for um, because it's their future that, that's at stake. Yeah. And that's, that's a lot of it. And I, and, and I almost think, um, no, that especially with the, with the young people, I know personally just from people that I've, that I've spoken with a lot of people, this election, um, as far as how informed they were, how much information they knew about it, really all they were doing was just voting against someone, like, like a team, rather than yeah. rather than yeah. learning the ins and outs of what each candidate wants to do. It was more so, oh, this is the team that I'm supposed to be on right now, um, and I'm going to vote there. Which you know turns out most, as I'm glad we did, most of us did did actually want that result anyways. But it seems like a lot of people, particularly younger people, just kind of jumped on the bandwagon of, um, you know, left versus right. And, you know, it's almost like you're watching Red Sox Yankees or something. Might as well be. It's just whoever wins. Well, it is. And, you know, and this is, this is interesting, but, um, had a conversation a couple of weeks ago with an elected official in this state, and I'm not going to name names, but I asked that individual because they were, they were as, you know, they share my disgust with the Democratic Party in general. And uh, we're talking about my leaving the party and why I left the party. And, and, and it it's not just because of local politics, but it's at, at the at the national, uh, on the national platform, the Democratic National Committee did not vote to legalize marijuana and they did not vote for Medicare for All. So now my question is, then what the hell are you for? And I asked this individual, who is it, who is an elected official at the state level? Why are you a Democrat? And what was what did they come back with with that? I gave them about ten seconds, and I said, "Your time's up." <laughs> so you know, 
you, you get into these kind I've gotten into, I gave this up some time ago, but I've seen people with maybe on the golf course or somewhere with a Trump hat on like, mm-hmm. Hey, just curious, you know, what, why do you like Trump? Well, cause he's, he's kept all his promises. And I'm like, Oh God, <laughs> name, name one, name one. Yeah. Well, you know, he's got the economy back. What does that mean? Well, stock market's up. Oh, yeah. How, how much stock do you have? Well, I don't have any. Okay, so what the hell's how's it helping you? <laughs> and then they get pissed at me, but it's it's just people have no concept, and it's, it's really scary. I mean, I'm glad Biden won, but we can't overlook the fact that Trump got 70 million votes. Yeah, that's all. I mean... So there's 70 million people out there who still think he should be president. Now, if that doesn't scare the hell out of you, in in the United States of America, 70,000 people believe that he should still be president. You don't think that's a problem. You're missing something. And and one of the amazing things that you just said right there about the economy, that's that's always and and I've I've been victim, you know, or I've fallen victim to this in in the past, is that when anyone brings that up, like you said, the defense always first thing out of the mouth is, "We'll look at the stock market." And and I've been um, lately, I've been learning a lot more about this. And it is to me one of the for, for the average American one of the worst economic indicators for us, just because it of the, just because it of the fact that I understand it's a great indicator for that one percent who is who is who is in that market. But for everybody else, as we saw, all it takes is one card to get pulled from the from the house and it falls down completely just yep. like what happened with covid if if we really had a you know self-sustaining really strong economy um even before i believe it was in january i think um i think still most americans something like 30 percent of americans were still very close to not being able to we're still living paycheck to paycheck um, I think it might even be a higher number than that. So it's really yes. that that stock market, although it's great for the people involved, it, it's not an indicator for most of us. Well, no, it's not. And and going back to Adams and, and, and his group again, one of the other concerns they had was uh, the impact of income inequality. And, and we're seeing, I mean, I, I just saw the other day, I think five people, five individuals in this country have more wealth than the bottom 50% combined. Wow. That is never good for any economy. Yeah. I, I, to me, the whole idea of the, just the, the, the concept that we have multi-billionaires to me is a, is a really confusing thing as a society, just because it is fantastic that if you, or in the right situation, if you put your mind to it and, and and get a little bit lucky, you can rise to these heights. But also, it's it it says a lot that you know we have homeless people, you know, down right here downtown in Seattle, we have um, oh yeah, you know, we have homeless people that are sleeping out in front of the yeah. you know the the Michael Kors store, and it's it's really a strange yeah, thing to see people walking in buying. $500 handbags and then literally right outside is someone who um, literally can't even get, you know, get themselves cleaned up to get a job. It's, it's really, um, to me, that, that's one of the things I'm the most passionate about is how to fix that, that issue that I, th- I think it says so much about the country that we have such a high incarceration rate and homelessness. It's it, yes. both of those things, I think, 
those are indicators to me of, of how the country really is. And, and in every city, you see homelessness rising, you see all these things. So, um, you know, and, and I don't, and again, it's, it's, it almost seems like we would have to brainwash everyone to get out of it because we have been brainwashed into thinking this, this way. Well, and, and it's not just that, but it's the fact that, and I don't have a problem with people making $10 million. Of course, you know, yeah, yeah what, of course. Make what, make what the market will bear. I'm, I'm all about that. Yeah. Uh, the problem is you have, you know, you have a CEO of a company, uh, a, a major multinational company that makes, makes you know, $40 million a year and gets a $20 million bonus. And the people that are actually earning that money and, and producing the product are, you know, in some cases making minimum wage. And... You have a company like Amazon, which last year had $11 billion in revenue and paid zero in corporate income tax. Now, that's a problem because you're using all the infrastructure and all the laws and and commerce rules and and labor and, and all that, paying people minimum wage. You're taking advantage of everything that the country has to offer to make that money. You should then turn it around and pay your fair share back to support that country and 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 the tax laws are absurd and again why why aren't they why aren't they revised and the answer is because the people with the money are paying the politicians to keep it where it benefits them and it's it's a it's a never-ending cycle and it also going back to free and fair elections that influence of the money in effect takes away the one person one vote because yeah. if, if, if I have $10 and somebody else has got a million, yeah, we both get one vote, but whose vote carries the most weight? Yeah. And it, and it really got does, him. and it really does feel like a never ending cycle that, you know, really has to be, you know, completely broken, um, yes. or, or completely changed for us to, 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 to move forward that, you know, it's not. It's not little incremental things every four years that's going to do it. I think at some point, you know, we're we're going to have to to really make a, a massive radical change. Um, you know, at, at one point in time, these things might have worked when, you know, when when the population was you know fifty million people. You know, that a lot of these things may have worked a little bit better. But with, you know, the new technology we have and the amount of people in the world. We, it's just antiquated to think that we're still going off the same the same system and that it should it should just work. I mean, even when people talk about things like um, you know, this is something. Correct me if I'm wrong. Something that I, I um, believe I know you have a, an, a, an opinion about is is things like gun control. Um, that oh, you know, yeah. in a in a new world, um, we have to think differently about ideas that people had about weapons you know, 200 years ago. We just, we have to. Well, when those laws were, well, don't get me started on that. Because <laughs> I, that's one of the major, that's one of the major things that I ran on. And people just, you know, first of all, when, when the second amendment was written, we didn't have semi-automatic weapons. Yes. And drones. <laughs> I mean, we didn't, we didn't, we had, you know, muzzle loading muskets. And at the same time, all these all these gun rights freaks, you know, and I've I've quoted this many times to people that aren't aware of it. But if you go back to ninety two, I believe, um, there was a case in the Supreme Court, D.C. versus Heller or Heller versus D.C. 
um, and Justice Scalia, who was, you know, Mr. Conservative Supreme Court Justice of our generation, wrote in his opinion that the Second Amendment does not guarantee that anyone can have any kind of weapon they want, nor take it anywhere they want to take it. And Definitely. he specific, specifically mentioned schools and public places. So the whole Second Amendment taking away our guns is bullshit. And nobody's ever said we're taking away your guns. And they also conveniently forget that that the Second Amendment is written in the context of a well-regulated militia. That's it right there. That's it. So, you know, they tend to, they're just, ultra-conservatives and Bible thumpers are, one, that, that's why there's so many of, of them that are, that are both, because they cherry-pick the Constitution, they only pick out the parts to support their opinion, and they do the same damn thing with the Bible. Yeah, it is. That drives me nuts. It is interesting that there is that there is that correlation there. That I, I guess it's just a mindset um, that you're taught very young that th- these are my beliefs and there is no there's nothing that can, can that can be brought up to change them. And that's such a good point there. You know about the about the you know the militia and and an, <laughs> the the funny thing about a musket and I'm I'm copying this from a from a comedian jim jeffries uh, i believe it was but you know he says that oh, he's funny. but he like said him. yeah he has a fantastic bits about gun control but he, he says i believe it's him who says you know the great thing about a musket is it gives you some time to calm the hell down that you know you, <laughs> exactly that, exactly you know and, you, and even you know i've talked to, i've talked to law, enfor- law enforcement folks who say you know hell you know the bad guys have better stuff than we do and that's and you know it's it's amazing because and and people will say you know if you, um, and, and and to be honest, being ignorant, I at, I at one point in my life had this opinion, not really researching enough, would say you know well if you take away guns, then only the criminals will have guns, or if you get guns away from the police and everybody, only criminals will. And the amazing thing that uh, that I've learned recently about that in countries like you know Australia or um, in England. Is that, yes. is that what happens, I believe in Port Arthur, they had the biggest massacre ever in Australia, um, completely took away guns, and they haven't had one. New Zealand, yeah, New Zealand, they did it in, they, in a month. And they haven't in had month, one they since. banned assault weapons. Haven't had a massacre since. And the amazing thing that, you know, again, I was on the side where I would say, well, if you take away guns from, the, from everybody, there's only going to be the bad guys who have them. But what happens is that the, the price of a gun on the black market goes so high that... You know the, the the criminals who are, I believe it's I've researched this one. Some, it's something in the you know twenty thousand plus to get an AR fifteen, something like that, in these countries like England or Australia, New Zealand. Yeah. And the people who could afford that weapon probably aren't going to be the ones who are committing a lot of these gang crimes and things like this that we see. If the price yeah. of one gun is that high, how are you know? <laughs> if you have a hundred grand to spend on just guns, you're probably doing well enough for yourself that you're not committing crimes yeah and well you know that this whole gun argument's been an issue me for a long time but i i'll tell you there there was a moment when i was running in the primary i was in a little uh a little uh, event they had a meet and greet for me over here in henderson county and there were, I don't know, maybe 30 people there, and there were a couple young men in the first row, you know, like great middle school age. And I, I talked for a little bit and, and 
you know, gave my little stump speech or whatever, and I opened the floor for questions, and I took a few questions, and this young man in the front row raised his hand, and I, I thought, man, this is really cool. Now, this is a Saturday morning. We got a young man here that's come out to hear a politician speak, and he's going to ask a question. I just thought that was really cool. Yeah. I was really excited. And I said, oh, great. Yeah, okay, so what's your name? David. How old are you, David? I'm 12. I'm in the seventh grade. Okay, great. Well, thank you for being here. Thanks for asking your question. What is your question? And he said to me, I will never forget this as long as I live. He said, I don't feel safe when I go to school. What can you do about that? Wow. I still get chills every time I tell that story. Yeah. And that, you know, that was a moment where it hit me like, you know, this shit is real. This is a real issue. This is something that we should have taken care of a long time ago. And the gun rights nuts, mostly mostly from the right, if you notice, and, and they love mass shootings. Because, and, and, and the NRA loves mass shootings because they, are, they do not represent gun owners. They represent gun makers. Ah. So every time there's a mass shooting... Number one, there's this big fear for about a week. Oh, well, here it's time for gun legislation, and they're going to take away our guns, and we're going to ban magazines, and we're going to do this. So what people go out and stock up, they fill up their, you know, their their doomsday shelves with all this ammunition. They've got 15 AK-47s in the basement when you can only use one at a time. And, and, and it's going to protect them from the government. <laughs> which I've heard, I've heard people, you know, I said, look, you know, I'm a retired Air Force guy. I've seen what we can do. If you think that semi-automatic rifle is going to protect you from an F-16 <laughs> or a cruise missile or a drone, you have no idea what to tell your time. You're wasting your time. Okay, I'm just telling you. But they always, they always uh, come out with the argument after there's a, an incident like that. Well, now's not the time to talk about that, you know, yes. because everybody's emotional and we need. Yeah, it's been it's been time to talk. The first time it happened, we should have talked about that is the that is the most important time to talk about it. Absolutely. And so, you know, I, I've told people before that there is one phrase that we should have never, ever, ever heard in the English language. And that is the most recent mass shooting. Yeah. There should have been one, and that would have been the we would have stopped it just like New Zealand did. But then they don't have that pesky little constitution that people can, uh, you know, plagiarize the Second Amendment with. And uh, and the funniest thing and, about and, that and, is and yeah, and the gun lobbies and the gun manufacturers are pumping all this money into these folks not to change these laws. And again, it, it all it always it, it's always follow the money. It's always follow the money. And it's amazing because, you know, people will say you can't change the Second Amendment, but it's an amendment. Yes, you can. It's an amendment. We've, we've talked, of course. Um, one thing real quick, though, just before we get off, because um, I'd, yeah. I'd love to talk to you about the uh, about, about the Masters before we go. But, um, you know, just on that, you know, the, that, that Second Amendment topic um, is, is kind of is interesting how, how it's so how it's so divisive. Um, it, it really is. And, and one thing I, I wanted to go circle back to, to something else that you brought up and, and just get your opinion on it. Um, I believe I could be wrong. I believe this is from uh, Andrew Yang 
um, I could be this this concept anyways that I'm about to say. But how do you feel about you? You mentioned the fact that Amazon companies like that don't pay um, any taxes. You know, from for, for what they for what they make. Yeah, you're going to ask me about UBI. Yeah, yeah. Do you think no, about that? No, no. no. <laughs> Took the words right out of my mouth. And, and I'll tell you why. Well, this whole that concept actually is not new. Yeah. That was introduced. Martin Luther King talked about that. Mm-hmm. But this is back before we had Social Security and Medicare. And he was talking about that in terms of people being able just to have some some amount of money to live on and, 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 and see a doctor. Uh, we should have that now. We don't need to pay people a, a, a basic income amount to stay at home. I mean, we need to... We need to get up to the living wage. We need to get the we need to get the income inequality leveled out somewhat. Create some more jobs and go and and mainly go to go to universal single payer health care yeah. because you can't. You know, everybody says, "Yeah, you need to have the public option." No, you don't, because if you have the public option, then you still allow for the profit motive in healthcare, and that's what's killing us now. So if you have, you know, and, and as I've told people, 32, there's only one country out of the top 33 countries in the world that don't have universal health care. Haven't figured out how to do it. Yeah. And that would be us. And all these arguments you hear against it, you know, people listen to Fox News, and they say, well, I can't keep my insurance. You don't need your fucking insurance. You don't need it. I had I had this issue with the union here. They didn't endorse me because I said we need universal single-payer health care. We, we negotiated for our health care. We got a great insurance, and we want to keep it. Well, think about this. If you could go to any doctor you wanted to and get anything done that you wanted to, and your company didn't have to pay for that, you could still get health care, and maybe they could afford to pay you a little more. Uh, there we go. <laughs> but, you know, but no, no, no. We, you know, and, and the union leaders would tell them, no, you got to, because the insurance companies are telling them, we need your business. It's, again, follow the money. And it's it's an illogical argument. It makes no freaking sense whatsoever. Um, it, wor- it, it works everywhere that it's being done. And the only reason we're not doing it is because the, 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 the medical community, the pharma companies, insurance companies don't don't want to do it because it's you know that's what their business is. Now, what they don't tell you, I've gone to several presentations on this. There's a, a really good um, group called Healthcare for Healthcare for All NC, I believe it's called. Uh, and they have a website, and they go through all the arguments. And these these people are actually healthcare providers, and they present all the arguments for and against. And there aren't very many against. And and the ones that are against, they explain why they're not very good arguments. But people don't want to hear that, you know. They like you said, everybody's got their own opinion, which is true. And you can have your own opinion, but but you can't have your own facts. That's the- <laughs> and the facts are. I mean, we're paying, you know, it's going to cost too much money. Well, you know what? We're paying for it anyway because hospitals are required in most cases. If somebody comes in the emergency room, they're required to treat them, whether they have insurance or not. And if they can't pay for it, what do they do? They pass that on to you. 
so you're paying it anyway. Yeah. And I, I don't remember. I, I want to say it would save something like six hundred billion dollars a year or something like that, but don't quote me on that. But I mean, it's just ridiculous that that allegedly, allegedly the quote greatest country in the world, which we're not, by the way, um, can't figure out how to keep not only help people when they are sick. But if people could go to the doctor, it would save money because they wouldn't wait till they're dying to go to the hospital where they where the treatment's more expensive. They they wouldn't have to worry about a twenty dollar copay to go to the doctor and get a penicillin shot or get some get get some an antibiotic and they'd get well and it wouldn't cost ten or twenty thousand dollars to go to the emergency room or get put in the hospital because you're about to die. So there's not just about helping people who are sick but there's a wellness component there too and, and, and a prevention aspect of that which we don't so do people at all go to the doctor who might not otherwise because now now they can't afford it and they're and and overall we're going to be healthier because of that and we're going to save money but nobody wants to hear that argument it's amazing when you when you do look step back a little bit step back from you know what what party or what side you're looking at it from and you take in all the information there really isn't an argument really against it that makes any sense i mean it that's right the way that and and that's a uh, you know i personally haven't thought about that point particularly when you're talking to someone who's in a union or something that point about well if your company's not incurring that cost they might be able to trickle that down into the, the employees imagine that you'd get your health care and more money to spend on other things i mean that that right there should be enough to make anybody say well boom that's it but it's not but it's not <laughs> and because you know, again, 70, 70 million people. When you when you said, um, and I, I got in the, a conversation uh, about uh, something that you just mentioned with a great friend of mine who came to visit me recently, and you said, um, you said that America isn't the greatest country. Now, my question, we had this, we were talking about this for probably three hours. Um, yeah. My my question is is that not even one, but. What in your mind? What would be one or two that would be great to look at? I mean, when when we were in this conversation, you know, we came up with things like, um, you know, Switzerland, Sweden, places like that. Um, in in your mind, what's what is a great example of of a place? I mean, because I know that, you know, that gets brought up a lot, and I always wonder, well, you know, what is what is the better country? I'd love to go, <laughs> whatever wherever it is. Well, you know. I- I mean, just look at Canada, look at Germany. Yeah. Um, you mentioned Sweden, Switzerland. Um, Cause it and, isn't, and, you know, when, when you say, when you say the best or the greatest or whatever, then you have to kind of decide what your criteria are. But, you know, we think we talked about this last time, that clip from, from newsroom where Jeff Daniels gives that little monologue about yeah. we're not the greatest country. We're, you know, 11th in education, we're 23rd in infant mortality, we're this, you know, allegedly have the greatest doctors and hospitals in the world and we can't keep people well, all that stuff. We could be. We could be. We And we should be. But we're not. And the reason is, number one, going back to it's the influence of money and it's the fact that we have elected representatives that don't have the integrity or the character to really represent the interest of their constituents and not their big donors and that's that's that quote there is is really it really is so it's it really is fantastic i mean it's almost like 
It is. We talked about that. Um, you know, you almost would love to hear if you just could hear a, a real politician speak like that. You know, with that candidly, um, it is amazing. And, and, I, and I do love that point that we, you know, it could be, you know, if we if we do the right thing. Well, yeah. Um, but you'll never hear a politician say that. You know why? Because they would take they take that soundbite and say America isn't the greatest country in the world, and they plaster that all over the media. So he says America is not a great country. Well, then shit. Why is he running for office? And then well, that, maybe yeah. he wants to make it a great country. Maybe maybe I know I know we could be the best, and I want to help it get there. But we never hear all that because we're you know we we now our attention span is is six seconds, and therein lies the problem. It's, um, it really is, um, it really is so fantastic. I'll, that, that, that quote there, um, I recommend anybody listening, go, it's, um, you know, basically if you just look up Jeff Daniels newsroom, it'll be probably the first thing on YouTube that pops up about four or five minutes long. It's fantastic. Worth, it worth, is. worth pausing and, and going and listening to that. Okay. Go ahead. Hi, my name is Jenny. I'm a sophomore and this is for all three of you. Can you say in one sentence or less what... Um, you know what I mean. Can you say why America is the greatest country in the world? Diversity and opportunity. Lewis? Uh, freedom and freedom. So let's keep it that way. Well, the New York Jets. <laughs> no, I'm going to hold you to an answer on that. What makes America the greatest country in the world? Well, Lewis and Sharon said it. Diversity and opportunity and freedom and freedom. I'm not letting you go back to the airport without answering the question. Constitution is a masterpiece. James Madison was a genius. The Declaration of Independence is, for me, the single greatest piece of American writing. You don't look satisfied. One's a set of laws and the other's a declaration of war. I want a human moment from you. What about the people? Why is it not the greatest the country in the world? Professor, that's my answer. You're saying yes. You're... Let's talk about fine. The... Sharon, the NEA is a loser. Yeah, it accounts for a penny out of our paycheck, but he gets to hit you with it anytime he wants. It doesn't cost money. It costs votes. It costs airtime and column inches. You know why people don't like liberals? Because they lose. If liberals are so fucking smart, how come they lose so goddamn always? Hey, and with a straight face, you're going to tell students that America is so star-spangled awesome that we're the only ones in the world who have freedom? Canada has freedom. Japan has freedom. The UK, France, Italy, Germany, Spain, Australia, Belgium has freedom. So 207 sovereign states in the world, like 180 of them have freedom. All right. And yeah, you, uh, sorority girl, just in case you accidentally wander into a voting booth one day, there's some things you should know. And one of them is there is absolutely no evidence to support the statement that we're the greatest country in the world. We're seventh in literacy, 27th in math, 22nd in science, 49th in life expectancy, 178th in infant mortality, third in median household income, number four in labor force, and number four in exports. We lead the world 
in only three categories. Number of incarcerated citizens per capita, number of adults who believe angels are real, and defense spending, where we spend more than the next 26 countries combined, 25 of whom are allies. Now, none of this is the fault of a 20-year-old college student, but you nonetheless are, without a doubt, a member of the worst period, generation, period, ever, period. So when you ask what makes us the greatest country in the world, I don't know what the fuck you're talking about. Yosemite? Sure used to be. We stood up for what was right. We fought for moral reasons. We passed laws, struck down laws for moral reasons. We waged wars on poverty, not poor people. We sacrificed. We cared about our neighbors. We put our money where our mouths were, and we never beat our chest. We built great big things, made ungodly technological advances, explored the universe, cured diseases, and we cultivated the world's greatest artists and the world's greatest economy. We reached for the stars, acted like men. We aspired to intelligence. We didn't belittle it. It didn't make us feel inferior. We didn't identify ourselves by who we voted for in the last election, and we didn't, we didn't scare so easy. We were able to be all these things and do all these things because we were informed by great men, men who were revered. First step in solving any problem is recognizing there is one. America is not the greatest country in the world anymore. Enough. Um, the last thing before last thing I had on on just kind of the the political sphere is um, another thing that's really divisive that I don't necessarily know if anybody knows the right answer. Um, I have a, a a guess, but uh, police and, and defunding. Um, I don't know how it is how it is there, but one of the things that especially here in Seattle that you will see on cars hanging out of windows flags. Um, people graffitiing all over the place, defund Seattle PD um, all over the place. And it's something that I don't think that the people who put that all over the place necessarily know what that means or what that could mean. Um, do you have any, any opinion on if that's, you know, something that's good? <laughs> well, first of all, whoever said defund the police screwed up the whole thing <laughs> because they're – they're not talking about defunding the police departments. They're talking about reallocating money. They're, and they're talking about doing, particularly with with um, with drug-related crimes and, and mental illness, uh, those people belong in rehab. They yes. belong, they, they need medical treatment, okay? So they should be handled through a court-ordered medical process and not incarcerated and treated as criminals. And so, and and the police need more training and more expertise in terms of how to deal with that particular type of person. So they're talking about maybe having a few less uniformed officers out there and spending money on mental health counselors and, and psychologists and that sort of thing. Uh, to help people because the whole, you know, the fundamental purpose of, of law enforcement and the judicial process is obviously it's to punish offenders, but it's about rehabilitation. Yeah. And 
and we see somebody walking down Main Street and they're, you know, they have a mental illness or they're they're high on drugs, we slap them in jail. And that's that's probably one of the worst things you could do. So we need to start treating those people not as criminals but as people who are ill and need medical help. And that's 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 kind of the guts of the whole defund the police. But it's not defunding the police, yeah. it's reallocating funds to to have a more holistic approach as to how we deal with with certain types of, of individuals and, and the problems that they have, which makes perfect sense. And in a civilized society, that's what we all want to do. Definitely. And that's that's it right there is is I guess whoever whoever it was, probably somebody on Twitter or something who put a hashtag up that, that got it started. But that's it. No, that if you crazy. that if you just explain that correctly, I think people would agree with that. That in a lot of people's minds it's we don't want – I mean – and again, I, I, I do realize I'm talking from Seattle, probably one of the most militant about this subject in the, maybe in, 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 yeah. the, in the country right now. But there's a lot of people here who literally don't want police at all yelling at – you know, will yell at a cop, um, you know, yell profanities at them. And it's just – it's one of those things where to me, if anything, I love what you said about reallocating, um, reallocating resources into more training and, and a holistic approach. But also – if anything, I would think that by um, you know by by adding more funding to the police and in putting that into the training, that would be a, a fantastic thing as well. That you know if 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 every man and woman who was a who was a police officer had a little bit better um, you know whether it be hand to hand combat training, weapon training, I don't think that they would have to resort to some of the things that they do if they were supremely confident in their in their skills i mean i I would imagine a black belt um you know in in some martial arts wouldn't have to you know feel like they needed a weapon or things like that if they had proper training to be able to subdue somebody well no but i mean you know here's and here's the other thing and and the the police are their own worst enemy because even even after all the all the incidents we've had with with police practices every week is somebody gets shot in the back 15 times and the officer said well I was fearing for my life yeah and, and he that... shot him 15 times in the back so you know what the hell I mean and if, if you and the black people absolutely have a complaint a valid complaint and uh, I don't you know I don't know if I if I was black today I'd probably be in jail because I'd be out protesting hell out there it's just it's ridiculous <laughs> it's ridiculous no, it, it it really is. I mean, it's it's um, yeah. I mean, it, it, you know, personally, like I, you know, I was I was a little bit lucky growing up that um, you know, my mom, my mom's blonde hair, blue eyes, and my dad's African American. But it's like it's one of those things where I was lucky because I grew up in the suburbs where my my stepfather was a firefighter, so that helped. You know, that at least yeah. some some of the, some of them knew my car and things like that. But even I had a I even I had a circumstance where I'll never forget I was um waiting for a friend to come out um you know and I was just kind of driving around his neighborhood listening to music you know as you do as a young kid and um and I'll never forget because I I passed this house probably two or three times I got pulled over by the police and I'll never forget this this a police officer pulled me out of the car put his hand on my neck and said that yeah. um my heart was beating so fast and obviously I mean I was scared and he well, said yeah and he said because my heart was beating so fast that was probable cause to bring the canine unit down 
and search my car for cocaine because he assumed oh that God. because <laughs> and I'll never forget this that um, another police officer came and I think he might have known my stepfather and I'll never forget what he said to me he said you know this guy's new in the job he's just you know he's trying to make a name for himself by catching people and he said just stand next to me and, and it'll it'll be fine but um, you know I always felt lucky because I had that my stepfather knew some of these guys um, and I you know so I've been lucky in that sense that, and I can just only imagine living um, in in particular areas. So it is it is shocking, but um, hey, if if as back to what we said earlier, if there weren't any weapons, I'd be hard to shoot someone fifteen times in the back. <laughs> it's unbelievable. It really is. It really is. Okay, but um, but anyway, so onto uh onto a onto a lighter note after that. Okay. Good. Um. Uh, one, I wanted to ask you um, about. Um, you mentioned the other day, just um, or I never, I haven't asked you in the in the past. Um, you, you know, used to be a, a an official, NCA official. Do you do you pay attention to to the, to the program as much anymore, or, or at all? Well, I still watch a lot of basketball. My, my wife used to referee in CAA as well, and you know, we end up. <laughs> critiquing the referees more than anything generally but um i don't i don't keep up with all the rules changes every year in the NCAA like i used to. i used to be an observer for the sec so i had to really know what was going on there oh, wow. and, and that was fun but uh, i'm still doing high school i'm still doing high school basketball but it, it's it's you know it's just something to do i mean i love basketball but western north carolina for the most part the basketball i, I grew up in indiana so you know Basketball's basketball king. here is not Indiana basketball. <laughs> um, That's amazing. But, you know, it's I like being part of the game. I like running up down the court and and that sort of thing. But you know, the COVID thing, we may not have a season this year. And if we do, I think they're going to limit the home. Uh, the gym is only going to allow twenty five people from the home team to come in as fans. Oh wow! Which adds a different element to the whole atmosphere, but. It is what it is. Yeah. yeah, yeah. With COVID, we have to make the best out of out of sports this year, which and it's just nice to have something. You know, um, that's amazing. But see, one of the things, you know, I know you don't watch too much um, much basketball as as far as the the professionals go. But one of the things that not basketball as as um, for do you watch what do you watch any professional sports at all? Uh, yeah, I watch watch a little NFL. Who's, um, I watch. I generally watch the baseball playoffs, and and I watch the NFL. Usually, I watch a lot of a lot of golf. Um, I would imagine Colts. Tennis, tennis. Maybe I'll watch the finals at Wimbledon or U.S. Open. Uh, hockey, I don't watch. I would imagine I it's a. I would imagine I you're a, a Colts guy. Used to be. Yeah. I'm really. I've kind of turned into a Saints fan now. I, we go to New Orleans every year, and. I've kind of adopted that as my second hometown, and I, I just love that place, and I love the Saints. I love Breeze. I was glad to see him kick the shit out of Brady the other night. <laughs> we can agree on that. We can agree on oh, that. Oh, yeah. <laughs> that was the thing of beauty, man. And I, I, that's a 38-3 to three game, and I watched the whole thing. Yeah, three more. Oh. Yeah, a thing of beauty. No, they and I, and I was and, and Patriots almost, Patriots should have lost the other night, but they didn't. See now, that's there's two things where I was happy about Tom Brady losing, um, and then 
as a Pats fan, I was screaming. Because, I mean, for me, if we lost that game, we're in the running for the for the top couple picks. And I honestly thought – I don't know if you watched the game. I thought, I think the Jets gave them the game. I, I They did. Oh, they did. They did. There was that um, – that I think minute... I saw today they had the Jets in the fourth quarter at four yards of offense. <laughs> and, and at one point – it was a, you and, know, it took, and it took a last-second field goal to lose the game. <laughs> I mean, in a critical – at one point at the end, I think they, they ran Jeez. 12 They ran twelve men out on the field. Um, yeah. I know. I think that was on purpose, to be honest. I mean, I, I think it had to be. But even, it's, even it's, still – It's hard to watch. It's hard to watch. Um, no, it's it's. But you know what? I think we we meaning Boston fans kind of deserve a year where we get slapped in the face a little bit because I mean, I'll, I'm a part of it. Where I mean, we've had st- way too much success, and I think we we could use a little bit of reality to see how the hell the rest of the league or the the world lives. Well, I was always a, I was always a Celtics fan uh, growing up. But after the ABA, I, well, of course, we had the Pacers in the ABA. But then I, I really liked the uh, liked the Celtics for a long time, and, and uh, particularly when they got Bird. Mm, oh yeah, he's, he's from you know forty five minutes from my hometown. So, uh, and I refereed at his old high school. Actually, in fact, we played against them when oh, I was wow. in high school. But uh, he, you know, he's one of the most underrated. They always talk about you know LeBron and Michael and and now Send or Jabbar and. I'm like, you know what? Don't forget about Magic. Don't forget about Bird. Don't forget about Oscar Robertson, who he Biden, never gets nobody, mentioned. Nobody knows this, but he grew up. He's from Indiana. Is he? I didn't know that. Yeah, he, he went. To, he went to high school in Indiana, and he averaged for his career, averaged a triple double. Wow. Now, yeah. Look that up. Because they had, I mean, people have been impressed that uh, Russell Westbrook did it for one season a few years ago. Yeah. Wow. A career triple-double average. And he never it, he never gets mentioned in that group, which is, that's startling. But it's really, when, you, when you look at Bird, if you, even if you, they haven't, there's enough highlights of him. If you really go oh. ahead and look at some of those highlights, the skill that he had, um, and an underrated amount of athleticism. I don't think he – he yes. wasn't the fastest guy in the world, but he has some explosion plays where you look and, you know, really kind of shocks you. Um, and to me, the most important thing in all sports is how you close out a game. And I don't know yep. if there's a yep. – he's probably on a short list of three people who, you know, yep. someone had a gun to That's your head. Um, you know, I, I forget what the team was. Um, but there's always that, that amazing story where it's like, you know, inbounds play five seconds left and Larry Bird, you know, before the inbounds tells the guy, I forget who it was. I should remember this, but tells the guy, you know, I'm going to get it right here. I'm going to make a move right to there and I'm going to hit the three to win. And he does, and he does it. And it's just like, Oh, know. he did. He told, uh, who was their coach at the time? Uh, I can't remember who their coach was, but. It was a kind of a last-second thing, and he starts drawing up. Just give me the ball, <laughs> and that's what you want. That's the difference between him and yeah. some, and some of these other guys. And, and plus, you know, and and you know, and he and he sucked as a coach, and everybody made fun of him for that. But I, I've talked about this in some of my leadership classes. But uh, you know, great players usually don't make great coaches, mm. and nobody understands why. Because if you were that great as a player, you ought to. Well, first of all, it's a different skill set. But secondly, 
those people like Bird and others got as good as they are because they worked their asses off. And they just assume that everybody else is going to work their ass off like <laughs> they did. And they don't. Yeah. And they can't figure out how to make them work their ass off. And I, I, there was a, a documentary on, on Sports Center once about Reggie Miller. And he said, I remember one time we, we were playing one night at Boston Garden. We got, we got to the garden about 2 in the afternoon for like an 8 o'clock game. We walked in. And Bird was there running up and down the stairs all the way around Boston Garden six hours before game time, running laps up and down the stairs. And he just said, we were beat. We were already beat. <laughs> when you see something like that. Yeah, see, that's – and that's the thing right there is it goes it goes across all – a lot of different things, musicians, artists, whatever it is. I mean, I think personally, uh, I think to Tiger Woods when you um, – I used to watch clinic after clinic after clinic of his, and it's amazing to hear, you know, I, I always tell people this, one of the worst people you want to listen to about how to get great, um, he does have some great tips when he when he slows down, but is Tiger sometimes, because the way that he looks at it, and his work ethic, and the way that he might describe something to him, yeah, you know, um, which should be so simple, doesn't realize that that it's so difficult or like a guy like magic johnson i mean he probably sees three four passes ahead and expects yeah. everybody else to see these passes and you know if he was trying to coach these guys he can't understand why well how do you not see the guy in the corner I, you know that's that's a routine yeah it's it is um that's an interesting thing there how how a lot of the, the greats yep. don't make the best coaches i mean look at michael jordan is one of the worst general managers in the, in the entire Different skill set. It's a yeah. different skill set. Yeah. Management is a skill set. It's I teach this. I know that management is a skill set. Uh, but yeah, that that's a bird is my is one of my all time greats. And you know the other thing about him, um, one of my other favorite stories about him is he had the he had the Celtics record for most points in a game, like fifty five or whatever it was. Mm -hmm. And they were playing somebody, and McHale had like fifty four points. And they came down. They got a they got a transition, and it was Bird and McHale two on zero. And Bird dribbles down and just passes it over to McHale for a layup to beat his record. See that's now see that's just cool. That is just cool stuff. Now that's something that I don't know if anybody in the modern NBA would do. I don't know if one guy. No. <laughs> if Isn't one that cool. Um. Before we get off Larry Bird, I got one more um, that I heard recently that was kind of funny. That was apparently uh, there was one season where him and Danny Ainge were um, were going for the had the, the highest free throw percentage, and I think there was some some small bonus that the team was going to give for something like that, something along those lines. And um, I think it was Bird. I could have this backwards, but um, Bird goes to the line, you know, gets the foul. Calls timeout himself after making the first one and t goes over to the to the bench and tells Danny Ainge, you know, if you want, I'll split the money with you if you want to take, if you want me to miss this. But it was like one of those amazing things where, you know, so confident, so good that, yeah. you know, makes one, calls timeout, goes over and says, so if you want to win it, I'll split the money with you. Otherwise, I'm hitting this shot. <laughs> and I think, I, I'm pretty sure he did make the shot and, you know, obviously, you know, took the money, but... Um, yeah, he's, he, it's, he, he's absolutely, um, 
in my opinion, the best true small forward of all time. I don't. Oh yeah, I no think question. LeBron James. You could put in other categories all around things like that, but the best true small forward is is got to be um is got to be Larry Bird. Uh, before speaking of Celtics, though, real quick, just wanted to mention this today. Um, I don't know if you did hear. Today was unfortunate passing of uh, Tommy Heinzen. No, I hadn't heard that. Yeah, yeah, unfortunately. No. Yeah, just a few hours ago. Um, yeah, unfortunately, you know, one of the probably the the biggest institution in in Boston sports. I mean, oh yeah. Um, you know, won all those championships in the '60s. Coached, I think, eight oh, seasons. Yeah, it's, yeah. It, he was no eighty. Kidding. Yeah, he was 86. He's not that old, is he? And he was 86. Oh, was he that? Oh, Jesus Christ. Yeah. And it it, it, seem, it, just, it seems like he wasn't because, I mean, even just before COVID, um, the beginning of last season, he had done a couple of uh, – he'd called a couple games with, with Mike Gorman, yeah. the longtime Celtics guy there. Um, and, yeah, I mean, it's um, – from what I heard, a lot of it, you know, just the um, – I think his, apparently his wife passed recently and things like that and just – all oh, that's yeah, going, do it. all that's going on this year, it's is you know I, I can only imagine. He was a big guy. I mean, six seven. He can't be. He's got to be heavy. Um, you know, he's not. Oh yeah. So that's that's a. a that's, I was I'm amazed how some of these some of these guys are so big. But uh, yeah, just had to let you know that since you're a, you're a Celtics guy. Um, real last thing, what what do you think about um, this week? I was so excited. I it it just hit me because I, I turned flipped on the golf channel on Monday. Um, and you know Monday at the Masters, I was I it, it all hit me at once in November. Yeah, with the, <laughs> the trees changing color and everything, it's kind of interesting. I and, and like... Masters dot com is putting some pictures up on Instagram of of some of the shot, and you know it looks like thirteen. They're shooting through these pine trees that are turning brown, and you've got some leaves changing color. There's no azaleas. There's no dogwoods blooming. It's just it's a different golf course. It real yeah. That's the thing that to me I'm so most excited to see is just without yeah. the azaleas and the and the leaves turning. I'm sure. I mean, and I heard um, Tiger today talking about how different of a golf course it is. Just how the ball oh, yeah. the ball's running up differently. The greens are a little different. Um, I, I really one thing I really hope that doesn't happen. I just hope that DeChambeau doesn't win. Nothing against the guy, but I kind of do too. <laughs> nothing against him, but. From what I read, just today he put out a thing saying he might bring out. He tried it in the practice round today, a forty-eight inch driver, and he says he can carry this thing over four hundred in the air. And yeah, swing speed's one forty-three. What? I mean, I mean, that's just that's just absurd. But you know what? The the all the golf experts say, you know, he's a nice guy. They really like him. He's friendly. You know. You can be pissed if you want to, but he's working harder than everybody else. You know, he put on 40 pounds of muscle. He understands the science. He's out there working his butt off. Okay. Yeah. I mean, knock yourself out. But it's, how I did he gain like that 40 and, and, and primarily because of those, those those little deals he had with rules officials, I just think that's there's no place for that. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Absolutely. Um, but I'd like to see, if I had to pick somebody, I'd like to see Rory win because I think he's – it kind of owes him one, but would that I don't be? Know. I, I, if I was going to bet, who would you bet on if you had to bet? I mean, if I was if I was taking odds or if I if, you know eliminating odds and things like that, I mean, I'd pr- probably have to, I'd probably have to go with Deschambeau to be honest. I mean, from really, 
Just because, from what I, um, I Justin Thomas apparently played with him yesterday, and he said the thing that people forget about Bryson is that how good he's putting this year. Yeah. Um, and that's, you know, I, I was just taking it from him. He said that just yesterday he was easily 40 yards ahead of Justin Thomas all practice round. And, you know, I, I was looking at it earlier, just the, the scorecard. There's about six, seven holes that if he hits driver, he's going to have chip shots to to these greens. Uh, I sent my son, I sent my stepson a thing. They did a, they put out a thing the other day where they, uh, let me see if I can find this. Yeah. He did a practice round and they, did you see that? They, no. They, he did a practice round and they, they showed his, uh, I'll send that to you. Yeah. They showed his yardages and what he was hitting each hole. Uh, like here, like here. Uh, Number one, par four, 445, sand wedge. <laughs> Number two, par five, that's that little dog leg left. Yep. 575, hit an eight iron. Oh, my God. Number three, par four, that's that long, that's a 350-yard par four, short par Flew the green with a three wood off the tee. Oh, my God. He's got a club uh, number, down. N- number nine, number nine, par four, 460. Sandwich. Oh, I mean, holy shit, man! I mean, what that what that sounds like um, almost exactly is that sounds almost exactly like the the yardages and the clubs that Tiger was hitting in 1997 when when the course was shorter. But I mean, I remember that year where he was hitting half sand wedges into some of those holes. The par fives he was hitting seven, yeah. eight irons in. I mean, it, it, it. See, my only, my only hope or my only problem is, is that, and good for him. Like you said, he's done. Um, good for him. He figured it out. He's he's figured out the science. He's worked harder than anybody else. Yeah. Yeah. But I hope he doesn't just break the game. <laughs> Meaning, I mean, if if they have to start making courses longer because of him, we're in. Then they really need to think about rolling the golf ball back because um, it's well, just... Yeah, but I just don't think that's going to happen. I mean, you know, and go back go back to basketball. You know, when basketball was invented, hell, if you were six foot, six foot, you were tall back in the day. Yeah. So now, but we still have a 10-foot basket. Well, everybody's so damn tall now, we need to raise the basket. No. You don't need to raise the basket. You don't need to change. You, you just... People get bigger, they get better, they get stronger. The the technology's better. It is what it is, you know? I don't know. It's a good way to look at it. I never thought of it that way. That, you know, at one point the size of a center was X, now it's Y, and yeah. the basket's still the same. I mean, you nobody ever heard of a 6-9 point guard Yeah. back in 1950. I mean, come on. Yeah, that's a great way to put it. Yeah, I never really thought of it that way. I guess in my, in my mind... Yeah, no, that's it's a great way to put it. In my mind, I just it feels like, yeah, if if he is playing this well, you're right. They should keep it the way it is because I think if they do change it, because when Tiger came through, they did end up lengthening some of those courses, um, and everybody's kind of caught up to where he was. But um, if you, if you lengthen him any more, then you'll make it so that he he's the only one who can win. He'll be the only guy. Well, can... yeah, but here's here's the other thing. You're not gonna, you're not gonna 
consistently carry a drive 375 400 and hit it in the fairway yeah and they're not going to have they're not going to have galleries out there uh, so you're not going you're not going to hit somebody standing five feet off the fairway and the ball's going to kick you're going clear over in the other fairway you're going into the trees you're going into the crap it's going to be a different thing that ball is going to roll out you miss the fairway gallery ain't going to save you that's a great point that'll be interesting so that's what, interesting yeah. to see yeah. Because how many times in major championship history oh, yeah. has on the last you know the last nine holes in a major errant drive, yeah. you know whoever wins it gets a lucky break because it hits a patron. Yeah. Oh, that's such yeah. a good point there. Um, Not wow, and and of course, well, I guess there's really no there's not really tents and things at at the at the at the Masters, but. Um, that was a factor at these other majors. There's no hospitality tents and things that you can hit it off. It's going, it's going into the shit. It's going into That's the right. shit. And and plus, you know, if you're if you're if you've got a hundred, if you're swinging 143, <laughs> just sounds fake. If you're swinging that hard, you, I mean, you got to be, you got to be dead on. And you know, if you're hitting the ball 375, I hit the ball. I I played last week in in uh, South Carolina. I drove two par fours. I drove one that was three hundred one, and I drove one that was three fifteen. Mm-hmm. Which I and I was hurt. My hip was bothering me, so I felt pretty good. So I've got a little length for somebody sixty four years old. Yeah, heck yeah. But if you're swinging that hard, you've got to be dead solid perfect. And if you're hitting at two seventy five and you're five degrees off versus three seventy five and you're five degrees off, you're another. I have to do the math, but probably ten or fifteen yards further right. Oh yeah, which is a hell of a lot more trouble. So it's going to be interesting. And 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 again at Augusta, it's the short game. I mean, you've got to you've got to chip and putt, and you got to be in the right place. I mean, you got to be in the right place on those green. That's the biggest thing. Is yeah, the everything you know, every champ, every major winner or every winner of the Masters, they always say that each green has so many different sections to it. And oh, if you're, if you're not been? in. A, no, no. It's you know, I've been there three times, and it's absolutely. I mean, you can't. It's so up and down, and those greens have so much you can't see it on TV. And you show up there, you're like, "Oh my god!" I mean, I've seen. I saw uh, Goosen one year on number nine. The pin was in the middle of number nine, and yep. it slopes. It slopes about probably twenty five degrees back to front, and the pin was in the middle. And somehow or another, he he hit a shot probably 40 feet past the pin and it stayed up there and he just walked up there and looked at it and looked at the gallery and kind of shook his head and literally <laughs> i mean literally took a one inch back one inch backstroke and that ball rolled 40 yards back into the fairway <laughs> and, and i mean it's just what are you gonna do you got you can't be above a hole that's why that that hole right there i mean there well there's so many of these holes i guess this is Probably one of the only courses where we can all we can all just mention a hole and know exactly what you're talking about. But, Absolutely. But um, I mean, that one is, is so amazing. How many times you've seen someone, um, you know, with a with a short iron in their hand on that hole where they spin it right back off the green? Yeah. And it's yeah. If there's if there's one course, it seems like where the rule, you got to stay below the hole. It's that one. Got to stay below. Yep. Yeah. Augusta and most of the U.S. Open courses because they have those greens up around fourteen. But um, I like them fast if they're if they're true. But me as well. Yeah, I was um, my my home country club uh, Marlboro Mass. They I was lucky where we had 
superintendent who just loved loved to keep it as as quick as he could. So I I got I got used to that, and I love it too. If they're true, personally, I I, I like pet yeah. putting. I don't like to feel like I have to take a huge backswing to get it twenty feet. Yes, absolutely. Um, but that's. See, that's one of the reasons why I love the Masters so much is because of the, the knowledge that goes into play. Um, it brings in all these past champions or, or people who've played there many times. So to be honest, I mean, if I had to really, you know, if I had to really pick somebody, um, you know, DeChambeau is probably the, probably the easy answer. But the guy that I think is, is healthy, um, and I think if he didn't, I think it was his wrist, something like that, if he kept it up, would have still been winning, is Kepka. I think Kepka. Um, I think Brooks Kepka could could grab a Masters just because, I mean, of course he he hits it so long, but um, he was just so solid there before, what was it, 2018, whatever, yeah. and um, he just has the this this attitude I feel that is perfect for the major championships where it, 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 he never seems too high or too low, even when he he does something fantastic, he he never lets it get. Um, you know, let, never lets it show. So I, that, yeah, to, that's if, true. That's if true. I had to pick a guy, that'd probably be where I would, where I would bet. Um, yeah. Just because I've heard him put a couple of jabs at, at, at DeChambeau there about how, you know, yeah. how, uh, you know, how did he get so big and things like that? I know a lot of those yeah. guys think that he must've been doing something during COVID that, that might not have been legal. I don't I mean, personally, whatever he did or whatever trainer he had, they, <laughs> He, he, it's impressive. I started back the gym yesterday. It's like, and then I went and hit balls today for a little bit and started running. But remind my, I can feel it in my arms. But you know, that's what you got to do. You got to stay in shape. See that? I think I would watch out. I would watch out for Rom. Oh yeah, Rom's always dangerous. If he can keep his, if he can keep his cool, it seems like he's gotten that under control. Yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah. It, it really no. It, it does. It really does. It seems he's immensely talented um and if i'm not mistaken he's that hits hits a nice high fade which i think is always always going to be a, a good shot to hit in any major championship um you know i guess that's that's a, one of the funny things to me is when i teach so many people want to learn how to hit hit a big draw and how to hit it further yeah. with a big hook which is fine if that's your shot of course but i always tell some people that you know you, you, just because you have a ball that moves left to right you know, if you're righty, um, that's not necessarily a bad thing. You can list, go down the list. You can go down the list and name, you know, Ben Hogan, Jack Nicholas, Lee Trevino, you know, all these, all these guys hit balls that faded. So it's, you know, I got that new Taylor made Sim driver. How do you like it? Sim Max. I love it. Uh, I had the Sim and, uh, I hit it too high and they let me, Send it back, and they sent me a the Sim Max. Oh, there we go. With a, with a with a low a low trajectory shaft, that hazardous green smoke shaft, and it took me a while to get used to it. But I, I mean, that's the one I'm using now. I'm, I mean, I'm I'm driving, I'm driving 315 yard par four. So okay, that smoke <laughs> shaft is fantastic for a 64 year old guy. Hey, don't you know, no, don't sell yourself short. That's a hell of a hit. Like no, no. no. That's what I'm saying. So, um, yeah, I like it. I, but you know, it's hard to draw. It's hard. I mean, I get it. I can draw it usually, but uh, oftentimes when I try to hit a fade, I end up double crossing and pulling it. But I, I can't. I hit it either hit it straight or I'll I'll push it a little bit. I've really been trying to work on the inside out. And 
get a little more draw. There's some holes where you just have to draw the ball if you're going to hit driver. I'm getting there. The practice for me is the fun part. It's not the playing. It's the practice and going out there and working on stuff and seeing if you're getting better or not. But you got to play enough to know what you need to work on too. So Definitely. I'm the same way. I've really, as I've gotten older, I wish I was like this in high school you know, when I was playing – you know, more, you know, trying to play competitively that I love back yeah. then it was the opposite. I only wanted to play. And now, yeah. like you said, I love sometimes now I almost, I don't want to go play until I know I've gotten it. What I've been working on exactly. good enough. Exactly. Then I go out and play. Um, yeah. yeah, it's, it is. Um, so that it's actually this, this masters is, is get, gotten me a it's little bit, it's ex- gotten me a little bit excited. I'm probably going to um, go out and probably play a couple times in the next in the next few days if I can. Um, We're getting rain for like the next three fucking days. It's supposed to rain maybe the weekend in, in Augusta. Ooh. Which is going to really make it interesting because that's, that's going to play long. Oh, boy. That, yeah, that, oof, that's going to change things if it, especially this time of year. I, can, I can't, I can't, I can't wait to see what it looks like. It really is going to be fun. And you know what? It, uh, there's always somebody, one of the, you know, one of the past champs, somebody I feel will come out of the woodwork, whether it's Phil or, or whether Tiger has a good first round, um, whether, you know, Ernie Els comes out with a good round. Somebody, there's always somebody. Cool. Freddie. Freddie's playing pretty oh. good on the senior tour. Yeah. He'll make the cut. He'll probably make the cut. I wish he would. I'd like to see him out there. Ernie. Ernie was always my guy. Ernie, Ernie and Freddie, I think, had the two. The two best rhythms, those two. I was one year when I was in Augusta. Els, we were watching Els on the range there before they changed around, and they had a like a two fifty fence out there. He was hitting like a three or four iron, swinging in slow motion and beating a, an iron off that two hundred fifty yard fence. And I was just like, "How the how how do you do that?" It, it's just unbelievable. It it's really unbelievable. is a slow. It, it's no. It's the amount of snap he has at the last moment yeah. before the golf ball is is unbelievable. And he's no yeah. small guy. He is huge. I would hate to. Yeah. I would hate to wrestle him. The big yeah, easy. Him and Freddie. I love watching them. I mean, I just, and I tell you, I like watching the LPGA because they have they have really good golf swings. They have such great tempo. And that's what I, I tend to get a little quick. If I can slow down and really, you know, get the, get the, get the legs through first and, and whip the cup through, I, I, I can, I can do some damage, but I get a little too quick sometimes. That's it right Especially there. Especially when you're nervous. It's so funny. Cause I tell people that all the time is that if you want to watch golf for, yep. to gain something for, for your own swing, Watch the LPGA tour. Watch the senior Absolutely. tour. Um, senior tour is is phenomenal as well, just because you see all different shapes of swings. Um, yeah. And it, but but you're right. The LPGA, there's so much. They're so technically sound across the board. Um, oh, they are. That Check I actually Koreans because they grow up doing that. I mean, they've got. They are just well, and they're dominating too, obviously for that reason, but. <laughs> okay, I need to run because my wife just got off work and she probably wants me to. Pay attention to her. <laughs> no, no, uh, no problem, no problem whatsoever. <laughs> She's laughing. <laughs> no, thanks, Steve. I want to uh, again thank you so much for doing this. I uh, enjoyed it as as uh, as as I did before. I really appreciate taking the time. Um, no, any- my pleasure. It's been fun. And did we get the other one done? 
has it been posted or because I want to share it with people when it's done. The first one we did. Oh yeah, yeah, absolutely. Um, I'll I'll, I'll let you know tonight. Um, and I'm, I'm gonna okay. get, I'll get this one up really soon. I, I unfortunately have got um, fortunately have got a little bit better equipment now and editing software, so it'll be done. Oh, it'll cool. be, it'll be yeah. It's no, no worries. It'll be no done. Uh, it'll be done tonight. Well, let's, uh, let's just chat after the Masters and see how it goes. Sounds great. Sounds fantastic. All right, hey, man. Have a great weekend. Thanks, All right, see you, man. Bye. It was a follow-up from... All right. Thanks, everybody, for listening. That was uh, that was the Purple Talk, Purple Talk podcast. Um, really, really appreciate Steve for joining there and uh, everybody for listening. Um, you can find Steve at Steve Woodsmall. Steve W O O D S M A L L, Doctor Steve Woodsmall on uh, on Twitter. Absolutely recommend giving him a follow. Um, you can find us Purple Talk Podcast at podcast underscore purple. Um, also, want to give a shout out to to Steve uh, in his book. Really recommend um, it. Beats Eaten Lizards. Fantastic book. I believe you can find it on the um, Google Bookstore. Um, anywhere that you would find. Um, your online book or you'd order it but again it beats eating lizards fantastic read um, got tons of great life lessons uh, lessons about leadership um, and really just how to how to become a better person uh, again thanks to uh, to Dr. Steve uh, Mr. Dr. Woodsmall Steve thank you again and uh, thank you for listening again Purple Talk Podcast um, want to say one more shout out to, to Tommy Heinzen um, best Best wishes go to his family and really sad news there today. Um, you know, Boston definitely lost a, a legend. But anyways, thank you again for listening and uh, that'll do it. Bye.